0: Welcome to The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, brought to you by The Art of Crime Podcast. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you enjoy this podcast and want to be sure that you never miss an episode, I encourage you to follow this podcast using your favorite podcast software. In a moment, we're going to bring you this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment. And unfortunately, we do have a lost episode in between last week's show and this week's. The Christmas episode from December 23rd of 1950 is Missing. The original air date on this week's show is December the 30th, 1950, and the title will be Intercept Dr. Corval." But now I want to talk to you about the Art of Crime podcast. The Art of Crime is a brand new history podcast about the unlikely collisions between true crime and the arts. Season one is titled The Unusual Suspects, Artists Accused of Being Jack the Ripper. It profiles six renowned artists who have fallen under suspicion as the Whitechapel murderer. Beloved children's author Lewis Carroll is the one best known to us today. Joining him, among others, are the theatrical wig maker and costume designer who supplied Scotland Yard with disguises while it was hunting the Ripper. The actor who originated the dual role of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and was painted in London at the time of the killing spree and the victorian pop star whose brother it so happens has also been accused of committing the crimes as you meet each artist you'll find out who they were what it was like to work in their trades in the victorian period and why they've been nominated as ripper candidates then there is the larger question why have artists especially great artists proven so attractive as suspects this season wraps up with four bonus episodes including one about Arthur Conan Doyle's theories about the identity of the Whitechapel murderer. Season 2, organized around a surprise new theme, will debut on April 5th. So now is a great time to subscribe to The Art of Crime wherever you get your podcast. You can also follow The Art of Crime podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now it's time for Dangerous Assignment.
1: Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell.
2: Danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize this assignment's going to have me asking, When is a friend not a friend? Answer When he's tickling your ribs with a gun.
3: Thanks,
4: Ruth. Morning, Steve.
2: Commissioner, I suppose I fooled you right out of a big deal as usual. No, this time it was strictly business. I was getting caught up on my paperwork. What? Honest. I was bringing my files up to date.
3: Yeah? How many telephone numbers make up a file?
2: That's what I
3: thought. I have your papers at my desk when you're ready, Steve.
2: Thanks, Ruth. Well, what's the deal, Commissioner?
4: Take a look at this map of Eastern Europe, Steve. This country right here. What about it? Politically, it's being torn apart. There are two major parties at odds with each other and a well-organized minority who'd like to keep
2: them at odds. Pretty familiar pattern. Yes,
4: it is. But right now, it's vital to Western Europe and to us that this particular country be united into a democratic form of government. And there's only one man who can unite that
2: country. Don't tell me it's me. No. Dr. Corvell. Dr. Corvell? But he's no politician. That's the point, Steve.
4: Dr. Corvell has no political affiliations.
2: He's that country's
4: leading citizen, a scholar, a scientist, a man of stature.
2: Yeah, he could be just the man for the
4: job. As you know, he's been living in this country since the war, but now he feels it's time to return to his own country. There's to be a vital meeting of the legislature over there in three days, a meeting that could determine which way the country goes. If Covell could uh, pop up at that meeting, it might turn the trick.
2: So what do you want me to do, escort the good doctor over there? He's already left.
4: What? Yeah, the day before yesterday. Well,
2: then I don't get it. Why call me on the deal? What more is to be done? I'm
4: coming to that, Steve. Dr. Corvell realized that the organized minority would try at all costs to prevent him from reaching his destination. So he's traveling incognito, plans to reach and enter his country secretly. But I still don't see... His plan was to go directly to the house of a friend in the capital of his country. This morning, we found out that this so-called friend is actually a member of the minority. What? Yes, it's a death trap for Dr. Corvell. Now, Steve, you've got to intercept Corvell before he reaches that man's house.
2: Brother, have you any idea where Corvell is now?
4: We know only that he was planning to contact a person named Dravik in the town of Risma, across the border from his country. Now, Steve, get over to Risma. Try to find Dravik. Above all, get to Corvell before the opposition does. And remember, from now on, every minute counts double. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck.
1: The National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you'll find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment.
2: sure i've got my assignment just a simple matter of getting to dr corvell before the opposition does and incidentally trying to keep the opposition from getting to me <laughs> a real cinch well it's tuesday when i get to risma i've got to find Dravik in a hurry but i haven't any idea where he is there's only one hotel in town so i check in and then i ask the desk clerk about Dravik. He says he's never even heard the name, but he does remember a distinguished-looking man with white hair staying at the hotel overnight a couple of days ago, probably Dr. Corvell. I turn away from the desk and start across the lobby, and then I spot a very familiar face. It's a foreign agent named Marzak. I've tangled with him plenty in the past, and I've no desire to renew the acquaintance now, so I start to duck into the bar, but he sidles in front of me. Well, my old and dear friend, Mr. Mitchell. Hello, Marzak. My, such a cold
5: greeting to give to a man who possesses such admiration for you. After all the times we have been together in the past, Mitchell, even though on opposite sides of the fence, I should think that you might be a little more cordial. Look, you mind getting out of my way? Ah, The man is in a hurry. Such a pity, such a pity. I thought perhaps we might find a quiet corner and talk over old times together. I said get out of my way. But what destination could possibly be so important that you could not spare a few minutes for an old, uh, let us say, colleague? I'm going into
2: the bar. If that's okay with you, Marzak...
5: Splendid. Thank you for your invitation. I accept with pleasure. Some drinks, much talk, a perfect way to spend an evening. Look, for the last time, I didn't invite you. I'm drinking alone, and if you don't... Drinking alone? What a barbarous custom. But then I suppose it is to a certain extent fitting that a man should have a farewell drink in solitude. Farewell
2: drink? Yes.
5: I understand you do not like this town of Rizma... I cannot say that I blame you. Oh? I understand further that there is a train leaving here in half an hour and that you plan to be on it. So I decided to help you by reserving a compartment for you.
2: Now, that's real sweet of you, Marzak. But what if I decide I like it here?
5: In that case, I understand it is quite possible you may remain here permanently. You're quite an understanding guy, aren't you? Yes. And I believe you are also. Goodbye, Mr. Mitchell. Come again when you cannot stay so long. And please extend my very best regards to your commissioner.
3: Yeah. I beg your pardon, sir. What? I overheard you ask the desk clerk a few minutes ago about a distinguished-looking man with white hair. What about it? I believe you are referring to Dr. Corvair. Was I? Who are you? Uh, Bisco, a friend of the doctor's. And I am worried about him. What do you mean? His return is the one thing which can unite our country. ...but I feel he is in great danger. You see, he plans to go to the house of a friend of his in our capital. I now have reason to believe that friend intends to betray the doctor. I see. Yeah, let's go here right. That is why I crossed the border to Rizma here. to try to intercept the doctor and warn him, but I was too late. He has already left.
2: Yeah. You ever hear of a guy named Dravik?
3: Dravik? No. Mitchell, the situation is very serious. We must find Dr. Corvell.: First, I've got to find
2: Dravik. I can't get very far doing that with that character Marzac on my tail.
3: Yes, I saw Marzac talking to you. I know all about Marzac. He is a dangerous man. He just invited me to leave town. If there were only some way I could shake him, it might give me time
2: enough to locate this Dravik Wait. And...
3: I think I have an idea.
2: What is it, Bisco?
3: See, Marzac is across the lobby watching us. He undoubtedly knows you have orders to find Corvell. And also, undoubtedly, Marzac has orders to stop you. So? So, if we were to conclude our conversation and I were to slip furtively out the side door and get into my car, Marzac might assume I had information concerning Dr. Corvell.
2: Yeah, he'd probably follow you, all right.
3: I will make sure he follows me a long way. Long enough to take him off your trail for an hour or two. Okay, Bisco, it's worth a try. Go ahead. <laughs>
2: Slips out the side door and Marzek starts after him. So far, so good. But I still don't have any leads on Dravik. I head for the bar to figure it out and where to start, and pretty soon a girl eases over to my table.
6: Hello. Hi. I am sorry. Are you lonely?
2: No, I'm Steve. But sit down anyway.
6: Uh-huh.
2: Thank you. You want me to buy you a drink, I suppose?
6: My oh, cigarette will do for the moment.
2: Well, that's a switch. Here.
6: Thank you. Wait
2: did I put... On, very... Look, Sari? this is all very pleasant, but as far as making an evening of it, I've unfortunately got something else on my mind right now. I know. Eh?
6: You're looking for Dravik.
2: What? Yeah, I am. Do you know him?
6: Oh, yes, I'm quite a good friend of Darvik. Where is he? First, let me ask you, why do you wish to see Dravik?
2: Well, that's something I'll talk to Dravik about.
6: I see Well, Dravik is not interested so much in people's motives. Dravik is most of all interested in knowing whether there is money in it.
2: Okay, you can tell him there's dough in it for him. How much? Plenty. Very well. You'll take me to him?
6: No, that is not possible. What?
2: You mean we've just been making idle conversation?
6: I would not call it that.
2: Why can't you take me to him?
6: Because Dravik is not a him.
2: Not a... You're (laughs) Dravik? Yes.
6: Sorry, Dravik.
2: Well, what do you know? So I break my back trying to find you, and it ends up with you finding me.
6: Yes, and I would say it is quite divine. Oh? But I still would like to know why you wish to find me.
2: Well, first, let me ask you, how do you fit in this deal with Dr. Corvell?
6: Deal? Dr. Corvell? I'm not sure what you mean. Oh, unless it has something to do with my rat line.
2: Your what?
6: Oh, that is what they call it, the rat line. You see, Stephen, there are many people in countries behind this, uh, what you call, iron curtain, who wish to be elsewhere. So, for a considerable price, I smuggled them out.
2: I see. Does your rat line ever run in reverse, Sari? You too. What do you mean, me too?
6: Most people are breaking their backs trying to escape to the West these days. And now twice in two days I find men who wish to go East. I think everybody is suddenly crazy.
2: Wait a minute. This other man who wanted to go east, was he a tall fellow, distinguished looking, with white hair?
6: Oh, that is the man.
2: Dr. Corvell, all right.
6: He told me he wanted to go to the capital city of the country to the east of here, and he was willing to pay a great amount of money. So I, uh, as you say, reversed my rat line. I took him across the border just before dawn.
2: Look, Sari, I've got to catch up to him. He's going to collect a bullet if I don't.
6: I see. Well, there is always the chance you will collect a bullet along the way.
2: But for you... And for money.
6: The two most convincing arguments I can think of. Very well, we will try to catch up with this Dr. Corvell. Here, here's an address. You meet me on the corner in front of this place in two hours. We will start, then.
2: I head back to my hotel, Then, as I open the door to my room, I see I've got company... There's a local cop on one side of my room, and on the other is a woman I've never seen before, but right now she's acting like we were long lost enemies.
3: There he is, officer. That is the one. I insist you arrest him at once.
2: Hey, what is this? This woman claims you stole her jewels. Stole her jewels now? I am
3: positive of it, officer. This man is Hugo Brissac. The notorious gem thief.
2: Hugo Schmugo, I'm Steve Mitchell from the United States, officer, and if you'd care to look at my Ah, credentials... you
3: see, officer, as I told you, this thief frequently poses as an American agent.
2: I'm afraid you'll have to come with me. But this woman's mistaken, I... Unfortunately, I found her jewels in your suitcase. What? So you must come with me. Wait, I get it now. Anything to delay me, huh? Look, lady, I don't know who you are, but I sure know whom you're working for. i ask this man. You will come quietly. Sure, officer, real
3: quiet. <laughs>
2: Sorry, Buster, but I haven't got any time to waste Stop. right now. Stop, Stop it! Oh, drop dead. <laughs> run downstairs and duck out the side door. The opposition's gag had almost worked. By the time I could have talked my way out of the frame, it had been too late to catch up with Dr. Corvell, of course. Well, now there'll be the little matter of the cops on my tail. Great. I roost behind a few assorted ash cans in an alley for a couple of hours, and then I go to the address Sari gave me. She's waiting for me in the shadows.
6: What? the notorious jewel thief.
2: Yeah, I see the news travels fast, Sari.
6: I believe the police are quite anxious to find him. I don't doubt it. So, I understand now why you wish to escape from this country.
2: Look, I'm trying to find Corvell. That jewel business was a frame.
6: Oh, too bad.
2: What's well, too bad?
6: You would make such a nice jewel, Steve. It gives you color.
2: Oh, color yet.
6: I like you, Stephen.
2: I think you're peachy too. Now let's get going, huh?
6: Oh, very well. Come on. Here is my car. We will drive as far as the border.
2: Okay. What happens then?
6: Well, when I get you across the border, one of my men will take you the rest of the way.
2: Hey. Hmm? What's the matter? A guy running across the street at us. Get going. It's Marzak.
6: Oh? Who is Marzak?
5: The
2: guy who rigged the jewel frame on me. Hey, he's trying for the running board.
6: You will not get away, Mitchell. Oh, yes, Marzak. Oh. Oh, very neat, Steve.
2: Listen. Sirens. Marzak must have tipped the cops. I'd be around this neck of the woods. This is just wonderful.
6: Oh, are you always in trouble?
2: Look, I'm to trouble what honey is to a bear. Now, come on, keep that gas pedal down to the floor. It's no good, Sari. Three miles out of the city and they're still on our tail.
6: They are not gaining any speed. Neither are
2: we, Optimist. And a half a mile is not enough lead. The cops behind me, ahead of me, the border, and who knows what. Lucky Mitchell, right in the middle again.
6: The river is just around the bend, Stephen. Then our troubles
2: will be over. What do you mean? Hey! hey! The turn! Hang on, Stephen! Huh? Oh. Hey, what are you stopping for? You crazy? Get out. Look, what's the big idea? You hey, see
6: the river below the road? Huh? I place the car in first gear, huh? and then I pull the hand throttle out a little, what? turn the wheel, and get out! Quick, now, into the bushes. Now, this is fine. Now, we just wait while they go by.
2: Hey, pretty neat. Looks like you're an old hand at this, Harry. Oh, it is not hard to learn. But isn't running a car into the river sort of expensive?
6: It will go on your bill.
2: Mm. <laughs>
6: Here they come. Oh. So, now we go across country to the border. It's only a kilometer or two.
2: Lead the way. Once we get across the border, how far is it to the capital?
6: More oh, about 30 kilometers. Just across the border, we will meet a farmer with a horse-drawn wagon. He will take you to the next village. There, a man will be waiting for you in an automobile to take you the rest of the way.
2: I just hope we get there in time to keep Dr. Corvell from walking into that trap at his friend's house. Hey. Wait a minute. What is it? Quiet. Somebody heading this way. Probably the border patrol. Get down. Yeah. I see them. Perhaps we had better get closer together. Yeah, I... Like I said, you seem to be an old hand at this. Like I said,
6: it is not hard to
2: learn. Hey, quiet. Here they come. Okay. I guess we can go now.
6: Do you really want to?
2: Oh, I... (laughs) Is it not much nicer here? Much nicer, believe me, but I still have a job to do. Too bad. Why?
6: Oh, I was just thinking we could run such a beautiful rat line together, Steve.
2: I don't doubt it, but right now I... Oh,
6: very well, if
2: you insist.
6: The Border Patrol will not be back for half an hour, so plenty of time for us to slip across. Come along. There's the farm and his wagon, Stephen, waiting in the shadows.
2: Yeah, I see them.
6: Dimitri? The yes, Holly. Well, this is goodbye, Stephen. I wish you were not leaving.
2: I'll be back. I wonder. What do you mean?
6: I have the strangest feeling I will not be seeing you again.
2: Well, that's a cheerful thing to say.
6: You had better hurry. Yeah. Wait.
2: Mm-hmm. Now go. After that, you think you won't be seeing me again? Oh, <laughs> You can count on it.
6: Goodbye, Steve.
2: Okay, Dimitri, shovel. Get up. Get up. Hey, where's this village we're heading for, Dimitri? Five kilometers. Hey, why are you turning off the road? Uh, This is a shorter way. Oh. Uh, Many patrols in this area? Not for another hour or two. That will be plenty of time. Whoa! Hey, how come we're stopping? Very simple. We're stopping because for you, it is the end of the trip. Look, I... Well, a machine gun. Quite right. Now get out of the wagon. Okay. Now, well, now I know why Sari figured she wouldn't be seeing me again. She was working with the opposition right from the start. <laughs> it's a uh, bad time for you to be talking about the stars, Mitchell. What do you mean? As soon as I press this trigger, for you it will be the finish. <laughs>
1: You're listening to Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell.
2: Mitchell, eh? Uh, turn around. Oh, in the back, huh? In the back, and right now.
6: Hello, Stephen. What? Sorry in trouble
2: again, I see. I sure was until you knocked off Dimitri here.
6: Oh, this man is not Dimitri. What? I thought there was something strange about his voice. Then right after you started in the wagon, I found the real Dimitri's body in the ditch. So I followed.
2: Well, you just got elected the girl I'd most like to have following me. Ah, oh,
6: thank you, darling.
2: So what happens now?
6: Well, I seem to remember that I you...
2: mean, how do I go about getting to the capital?
6: Business, business, always business. Yes. All right, all right. I think I better take charge of you myself the rest of the way. Come along. We will go into the village and get a car.
2: Hey, look. Where is this car, anyway?
6: In the garage, just a few doors farther.
2: Good. I've got no desire to be wandering around these streets any more than I can help. Marzak's boys might spot me. Steven, wait. What?
6: Some men in front of
2: the garage. Into the alley. Did they see us? I don't think so. Who are they? I don't know. That's the garage where you keep the car, huh? Yes. They must have gotten tipped somehow. Great. What do we do now? It's too far to walk to the Capitol. Oh, Stephen, look. They have started this way. Must have seen us. Come on, down the alley. Wait, Stephen, stop. Stop? Are you kidding? But that door, an empty warehouse. Okay. Hurry it up. Yeah. Brother, Dark in here.
6: Uh, we should be safe here.
2: Yeah, but it's not getting us any closer to Dr. Corvell. Steve. Yeah, steps outside in the alley. Quiet. Good. They have passed by. Yeah. Hey, if they're away from the garage, maybe we can get to the car after all. I... Wait a minute. What? Listen. One of them is coming back. Just one of them. Good. Stay down behind the crate. Now.
6: Steve, he must not call out.
2: He can't call on a stranglehold on him. A little more. A little more. Uh, there. Speaking of being an old hand at this sort of thing. Look, his buddies will be back looking for him any minute. We got to hurry. All right.
6: Go around to the back of the warehouse. I will get the car and pick you up there. <laughs>
2: Okay. You sure didn't waste any time. No,
6: of course not.
2: We must get the business over with fast, no? Well...
6: Stephen, I have good news for you. Well, I
2: could use some right now. What is it?
6: I learned from my man in the garage this Dr. Corbell was delayed getting across the border. He is now less than an hour ahead of us and he's riding in a truck.
2: Think we can overtake him before he gets to the city? It will be fun trying, Stephen. Hey, there's a car coming up at us fast. Oh, I see it. It's Marzac, Brother, what a tough guy to shake. Watch out. Watch out. He's pulling alongside. This is for you, Mitchell. Get down, Sari. Let us make Marzak get down instead. Just giving
6: him a friendly little
2: nudge. Oh, brother. Right into the ditch. A friendly little nudge yet. Remind me never to get you mad at me. Now, let's see if we can catch up with that truck. Sari jams the throttle to the floor and holds it there. The minutes tick off. This is the last lap of the race and the lap that pays off. Up ahead of us somewhere, Dr. Corvell in the truck... ...riding innocently into a death trap. And Sari and I in the car trying to catch up with him before the trap is sprung. But at least we've whittled down the opposition. Marzak's out of commission. Also the fake wagon driver who tried to machine gun me. That should leave just the friend whose house Dr. Corvell is heading for. Finally, we get to the outskirts of the city. Then Sari points up ahead...
6: Trap, Stephen.
2: Yeah. You sure that's the one Dr. Corvell's riding in?
6: Yes, I recognize it. It is my truck.
2: Wait a minute. How about the driver? Oh, he's
6: one of my men, he can be trusted. Okay.
2: As soon as we get up to the truck, pull alongside it and tell the driver. Stephen, to... look!
6: Look coming out of the side street.
2: Eh? A hay wagon. Oh,
6: it has stopped in the center of the road. Oh,
2: brother, the other team's throwing everything at us but the water boy. I
6: think I can get around it.
2: Hey, now look, don't try to nudge that hay wagon into the ditch. No,
6: we will turn here. <laughs>
2: Oh, brother, another instant we'd have lined up with the rest of those tomatoes on that vegetable no, stand. No,
6: down the alley. Hey, hey, watch
2: out, that cart.
6: Are you still with me? Yep,
2: I got enough feathers on me to pass for sitting bull.
6: There, we should be around the hay wagon. Now we will turn back onto the road and catch the truck.
2: Hey. The truck's nowhere in sight. Oh, but he could not have gotten found. Oh, great. To get this close and then. There, there, look. There he goes down the side street. Yeah. It's only a block ahead of us now. Wait, it's stopping in front of that house up ahead. Dr. Corvell's getting out. He's going up the stairs. Stephen, we are too late. If I don't catch him now, this race is going to turn into a dead heat jam on the brakes. Dr. Corvell! Dr. Corvell, wait! Who are you? Steve Mitchell, government agent from the States. Get away from that door. No, this is a trick. Let go of me. Now, look. My friend Miklos is inside. Let go. Your friend Miklos has a bullet for you. Take your hands
4: off me. Get down. Miklos! I've got him.
2: Oh, boy. One more second would have been too, too many. I hope I never have to cut it that close again.
4: I cannot believe it. I thought Miklos was my friend. Yet all the while he was planning to betray me.
2: Well, it's all over now, anyway. Come on, Dr. Corville. Let's get you over to the legislature. <laughs> we pile into Sari's car and head for the Capitol building. On the front steps are two men. One of them looks like an American. The other is Biscoe, the guy who tried to shake Marzac for me earlier.
3: Mitchell?
4: Yeah?
2: Thompson from the legation. We just about given you up. Me too. Looks like you didn't have much luck in shaking Marzac for me, Bisco.
3: I tried, but he was too clever for me. So I thought the best thing to do was come back here to the Capitol. There's been an all-night session of the legislature inside, Mitchell. The whole thing's hanging in the balance. Could go either way. Then I had better go inside immediately. Yes. Yeah. Good thing you weren't delayed any longer, Dr. Corvell. Might have been too late to do any good. Uh, Dr. Corvell, as an old friend, you must allow me the honor of escorting you inside personally. But I uh, Come, not... I will take your arm. Well, I... oh. Very
2: well, I'll bet you're glad this deal's over, Mitchell. You can say that again. Rough go, hmm? Well, if it'll give you a clue, I was framed for a jewel thief, shot at three times, and given a ride that would put any self-respecting roller coaster to shame. <laughs> Sounds like a real picnic. That's well, all over now. And Hey. What's the matter? Funny. Dr. Corvell and Bisco walked right by the door to the assembly hall. What? Hey, looks like I spoke too soon, Thompson. I slip down the stairs and around into the alley beside the building. There's a car parked by the side door. I hug the wall. A moment later, the door opens, and out comes Dr. Corvell, followed by Bisco.
3: Into the car, Corvell, and remember, I'm holding a gun on you in my pocket. Well, Guess Corvell's got no friends at all, Bisco, huh? Mitchell! Yeah, Mitchell! Get your hands off me, I will kill you! I've got your wrist. You pull That's that trigger now and I'm... you'll...
5: Ah!
2: What a hard guy to convince. He shot himself. Yeah, trying to do likewise to us. Who is he? I have never seen him before. That's what I figured. Come on.
4: When he took my arm, I could feel the gun in my side.
2: Didn't leave you much choice but to go with him. Mitchell, you okay? Yeah. Okay, Dr. Corvell. Better get in the assembly hall. Yes.
4: I... Thank you, Mitchell. Thank
2: you.
3: I hope he's in time.
2: Hey, listen, I guess that's your answer, Thompson. Yeah, I guess it is all right.
4: Well, I suppose you'll be wanting to get back right away, Mitchell. I can get
2: you a plane reservation. Well, as a matter of fact, Thompson, I already have my transportation all lined up. Oh? oh you mean over there in the car? Yeah. Ah, I see your point. Oh, no, you misunderstand. <laughs> Are you sure? Nope, I'm just thinking of my own Safety? Safety? Look, air travel's pretty safe these days. That's not what I mean. I've already seen what she does to guys she gets mad at. After all, you can't blame a guy for thinking of his own neck, can you?
1: Starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Jondo, with music by Robert Brewster, and is produced and directed by Bill Carn. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another dangerous assignment. Dangerous assignment came to you from Hollywood. Now it's the man called X. Tomorrow, hear the big show on NBC.
0: Welcome back. I would have loved to hear a series spin-off series. She was such a fun character. I loved every little twist and turn with her. And it's something that should be said for Robert Reif. A lot of times, Dangerous Assignment calls for a lot of really, basically dysfunctional characters. They are in the story just to fulfill a certain purpose. They're the villain, they're the almost certainly doomed fellow agent. They're essentially in the story just to serve a purpose. But when Rife has room, he can create some really interesting side characters. He's given us characters like Lord Byron, the Seal Trainer... And now, sorry. And it is such a nice little benefit, again, on an episode that I thought was really good. It was exciting and really engaging throughout. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Now, it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Lori, Patreon supporter since... April 2020, currently supporting the show at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Lori. And that will actually do it for today. A reminder, if you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us with your favorite podcast software, and that way you'll make sure that you never miss a new episode. And if you are on YouTube, be sure to like the video you're listening to subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell so you'll be notified whenever we add something new. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Dangerous Assignment, but join us back here tomorrow for Follow Vance, where...
1: I think I follow you, Markham. Al Laporte was a gangster. He was killed by another gangster. Weeping Willie was about to tell you the name of the killer, and
4: was murdered to prevent that.
1: Exactly. Carrying this thing a little further, there was a knife at Willie's back. That knife had fingerprints on it pretty clear set of fingerprints. They're being checked right now in our files. And in a moment, we'll know who held the knife that killed Willie.
3: That seems to me fine if we do, Markham.
1: There's doubt in your mind? There's always doubt in my mind. Allow me to dispel that practically immediately. Hello, Kenton.
4: Oh, hi, D.A. Hello, Vance. Here, come in.
1: After you, Vance. Thank you. Kenton, have you checked the fingerprints we found on the knife that killed Weeping Willie? Uh, yes, D.A., we did. The prints are very clear. You see, Vance, that's the cycle I was telling you about.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We're sure that Willie knew who killed Al Laporte. Was going to tell us who killed Laporte when he was slain.
4: B. A. You're sure that Laporte is dead?
1: Sure. Uh huh. Well, of course I'm sure. I identified his body myself while I was at the morgue. I just wanted to know. That's
2: all. Why, Kenton?
1: Well, this is going to sound a little silly, but the fingerprints on the
4: knife that killed Weeping Willie belonged to Al Laporte, who had been dead 24 hours at the time Willie was murdered.